Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis be posted all going to be on the website don't miss out on that it's been one year guys everyone get your notebooks out because it's been one year since we've done our deliverance q a it was last may it was may 27th we did our deliverance q a and we're doing it again we're doing it not just revised but there's a lot of questions we keep getting in and it's crucial right now help me in the chat it's crucial right now in the body of christ that we train people it's crucial that we teach people the devil is and is going to continue don't think the devil's going to stop he's going going to continue to try to get you to stop from being equipped to deal with him he doesn't want you to know how to deal with him so he's going to do everything in his power he's going to discourage you he's going to lie to you he's going to tell you that you don't need to know about casting out demons you don't need to know about deliverance or you're in it too much you're talking about it too much these are strategies plans the devil uses so that you won't learn about spiritual warfare so you won't be able to oppose him he doesn't want you to learn how to fight he doesn't want you to learn how to be a spiritual warrior a spiritual sniper he opposes deliverance ministry some of you know when you started getting into deliverance ministry how much the devil was opposing you and that's not because he hates you it's because he hates deliverance he hates the driving out of demons it's the way that his kingdom is destroyed so he's going to do everything in his power to get you to not learn about what we're teaching tonight, to get you distracted, to get the internet to go out, to get you to get busy, to ignore this, to get in your mind saying it's fake, it's not real, you're not called, you're not chosen, that's only for Isaiah, that's only for this ministry, it's rare, demons are, are rare, not a lot of people need deliverance, these are all lies from the enemy to get you out of opposing his kingdom, and I'm telling you guys, you've heard me say it before, and I'm going to preach this guys, you got to understand that the devil is remaining and running rampant in the church unchallenged nobody's challenging him nobody's going to bat against him no one's taxing him he just lives in the church and you can tweet this rent free the devil lives in the church rent free he does whatever he wants brings anxiety brings depression brings lust brings suicide brings bitterness brings unforgiveness brings religion literally just brings in whatever he wants and I'm going, where are the Jeremiah's? Where are the John the Baptist? Where are the Apostle Paul's in our generation? Where are the Phillips that are going to confront the devil? Where are the Christians? Where are they that are going to confront the devil? But here's what happens. Instead of confronting him, we create theologies that say, we don't need deliverance. We don't need spiritual warfare. We don't need to go about all that or talk about that. I'm going to get into it tonight and we're going to go after it tonight. But you need to know the devil hates deliverance. He hates when people get free. He hates when you listen to these broadcasts, not because I'm teaching them, but because you're getting trained and you're learning practical life steps to deal with the kingdom of darkness. Is there a kingdom? Yes, there is a real kingdom, a demonic kingdom that Paul says in Ephesians 6, we are battling against, we are warring against, we are in a cosmic supernatural battle from the moment that you get out of bed till the moment you go to bed and all night long you are in a supernatural war you're in the middle of a war and we are fighting against a real kingdom and the spoils of war are our friends and family are our souls are our family members being saved and so it's not the time to back down right now and i know the devil's so mad about the army that god is raising up in fact 
I was discouraged last night and I was up late trying to figure out how to unflag my account, what I can do. And I just kept hearing, and this has nothing to do with Facebook. I just kept hearing the Lord say, Isaiah, there's an army rising up and the devil doesn't know what to do. Isaiah, there's an army rising up and the devil doesn't know what to do. You need to realize this. The devil is scampering. He's running around that God is confusing the enemy's kingdom. He's setting fire to the enemy's kingdom and believers are being raised up. Pastors are being raised up. People are being trained up to set the captives free. Beloved, we've gone so long without offering freedom to people. We've gone so long without utilizing the power that the, that the cross won for us. And so don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Don't sit back any longer. Let the Holy Spirit use you. Let the Holy Spirit's anointing empower you. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit that we drive out demons. Jesus said, I drive them out by the Spirit of God. And so it's no wonder we don't see deliverance. We don't see the Holy Spirit in the church. So many churches are not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, are not allowing the Holy Spirit, come on, share this. I think it just kicked everybody, but we're gonna get them all back in here, praise the Lord, are not allowing the Holy Spirit to move. And so because the Holy Spirit isn't moving in, the demons aren't moving out. See, when the Holy Spirit moves in, the demons move out, but because the church is not allowing the Holy Spirit to move in, the demons have moved in and we've, al- and we've made the Holy Spirit move out. So the church says we'd rather have dysfunction then deliverance. Come on, where are you guys at tonight? We've rather, we'd rather have dysfunction than deliverance. We'd rather have complacency than freedom. And so now it's more normal to not drive out demons. 90 plus percent of churches, more, but I'm being nice tonight, are not driving out demons. So it's abnormal now to do the work of Jesus, yet we see Jesus talk about deliverance all over. So what do we do? We emphasize on what he didn't talk about, but we don't emphasize on what he did talk about. For example, We teach all the time on tithing. We teach all the time on giving. We teach all the time on all these other principles about church growth, about strategies. Jesus didn't preach on any of this, but we do. But then when I'm trying to preach on deliverance, y'all are mad saying, well, that's not, you know, that's extra biblical. Extra biblical, you're talking every week about tithing. I'm over here talking about deliverance, which Jesus did everywhere, talked about all that stuff. And yet you're telling me it's extra biblical. So we need to be careful that we're not opposing the work that Jesus is trying to do. God is trying to raise up an army. Let the Holy Spirit begin to work. And we're going hard tonight. I'm telling y'all, let the Holy Spirit begin to work. Let the Holy Spirit begin to train you. Stop being on the offense. We need to stop just preaching about it and start demonstrating it. It's so crazy to me how we always preach about the enemy. We're preaching all the time. Even churches that don't believe in deliverance are preaching about the devil. But the problem is we're not talking about how to deal with them. So we always talk about the devil and we say, oh, you just need to resist the devil. You just need to put on the armor of God, but we don't tell people how to practically fight the enemy. The way that Jesus dealt with Satan was not just through resisting him, was not just through the armor of God. The way that Jesus Christ dealt with Satan was by casting Satan's kingdom out of people. Satan is looking for real estate. Demons are looking for somewhere to establish their kingdom. Jesus said when a demon's cast out, that is the kingdom of God being established inside of that person. So you need to realize when Satan's, when deliverance happens, Satan's kingdom gets removed and God's kingdom gets established. Casting out demons, if you're taking notes, 
is the only biblical way to establish God's kingdom inside of people. There's no other place that Jesus said, when this happens, my kingdom has come. My kingdom has been established. So we need to understand that this is a biblical thing. It's for the church. It's for the believers. It's for the body of Christ. I'm going to answer a bunch of your questions to help train you and equip you. Here's the main problem before we start going into the questions that we have when it comes to deliverance ministry is we have so many people with arguments instead of experience. Listen to me closely. If you're constantly, come on, share this. We're over 2000, share this. If you're constantly living in unbelief, if you're constantly wanting to argue with everyone about deliverance ministry, if you're constantly wanting to doubt the work of deliverance, do not expect to see deliverance. The Bible says that Jesus hid the mysteries of the kingdom from the religious people and those that claim to be wise and revealed them to those that were hungry and those that were humble. So if you're one of those pastors or leaders or Christians that you're always debating, you're always arguing, you're always, this can't be that and Christians can't have this and this can't be that, then don't expect to see deliverance. Stop doubting the move of the Holy Spirit. Stop doubting what the Bible says the move of God is. Stop doubting the power of the Holy Spirit. I have so many people say, well, this teacher, this Bible teacher, he says it's not for today. He doesn't believe in it. Of course, he's not going to see it. And that's why they don't see it. It's because they don't believe in it. And they'll say things like, and I've heard them debate this and why deliverance isn't for today and all that. And they'll say things like, well, you know, we just don't see it today. You just don't see it today because you don't believe it today. And the Bible doesn't say see it to believe it. It says believe it and then you're going to see it. We live in an upside down kingdom. So we need to stop preaching against the reality of scripture. Stop arguing about it. Stop doubting it. I'm telling you right now, if you want to see this, you need to humble yourself and say, I don't know everything. I don't know everything. I'm open to learn whatever God wants to show me, whatever God wants to see. If it's in scripture, then I want to be a part of it. I want to see it. If people are getting set free, I want to be a part of that. Now, we've done over 40 hours of Q&A through our call-in show, and we've done many other Q&As in person via Instagram, via Facebook Messenger, and all that, but I've compiled a lot of questions, not only that came in through Instagram, but the common questions you guys ask. I wanted to update this. We haven't done this in a year, and I want to give you a bunch of answers, and here's a couple things I want you to remember one of the most important things about tonight is not simply answering your questions that is not just the goal of tonight is not just answering your questions about casting out demons the goal of tonight is also to equip you so that you can answer these simple questions when it comes to deliverance so my goal is not just you get a bunch of information because i'm answering all your questions my goal is that you'll be able to defend it when people ask you certain things and you can train others so you need to realize this is a training tonight this is an equipping tonight not just a q a and the reason why this is important very important tonight is because deliverance is rare in modern Christianity you're going to get constant questions about it because it's not commonly practiced because it's not commonly done in the church I'm going to give you ammunition against arguments which the Bible says we pull down and against Satan's kingdom so that when people ask you these questions you have an answer so when people say well how could this be you don't just say oh well, I don't know go watch Isaiah's video that's great I love that you guys do that but I also want to make sure that you guys have an answer to people when they ask these questions so that's why we're going to do this tonight and we're going to give you all these answers and why we got hundreds of questions I, I would encourage you this take notes tonight so that you can go back study the notes and give an answer to people we're not going to give you some crazy 25 point deep theological answer I'm going to go deep on some of these but I want to be as practical as I possibly can so that you could actually apply these principles in your everyday life and so that we can go over and cover this because 
where else where else is there to go to talk about these things i mean there's very very few pastors i know alexander pagani mike signorelli vlad these guys are covering these things as well but other than that i could probably think of like maybe two or three other guys of the thousands of preachers on the internet the thousands of preachers in the church i'm wondering where can we go to teach these things so this is a refuge listen if you feel rejected if you feel out of place if you feel like you're crazy because you believe in what jesus did the ministry of deliverance this is a safe place this is a refuge for you because you're not crazy because guess what we believe the bible here we actually believe the bible i know a lot of us preach about it but we actually believe that jesus wants us to do this and i'm tired of this religious nonsense that says that was for yesterday that the prophet was for yesterday the apostles for yesterday that for the gifts of the holy spirit have passed away and now you know we've already established the church the church friend has not already been established we are the church we are still establishing churches all over the world and satan is still opposing the church so absolutely deliverance is for today but i have your guys comments up i'm going to start reading through i have a lot of questions guys and we're probably going to go i don't know how long we're going to go we might need to do a part two but i have so many more questions i'm going to be able to answer but let me just go over some basic questions question number one if you're taking notes is isaiah why do you teach so much about deliverance now a lot of you don't want to ask me this but you think this isaiah why do you always teach so much about deliverance now let me give you several reasons reason number one the body of christ is deficient when it comes to deliverance training and deliverance ministry which is the ministry of jesus christ so if you go to the doctor because you keep getting sick and the doctor says it looks like you have lots of vitamin a in your system but you have no vitamin c in your system the reason why you're sick the reason why you're in bondage the reason why nothing's going right for you is because you have so you have a, a deficiency you're deficient in vitamin c you're not going to go home and take a bunch of vitamin A because that's not what your body needs at the time. You're going to go home and take vitamin C because that's where the deficiency is. The reason why I'm talking so much about deliverance, listen to me closely as I yell this tonight, is because so few people are talking about it. So I'm talking about it a lot because pastors are not talking about it at all. And I've said this before, when everyone else starts talking about it, I'm going to stop talking about it. Now, I heard one pastor say recently, which was a, a big honor that he said this. He, I don't know if he was saying about me, but he said, it seems that deliverance is a buzz right now in the body of Christ. It seems like it's a big deal. Everyone's talking about it. And you know what? I, I'm humble about this, but I take credit for a lot of that because in August, I started blasting deliverance for months when no one was willing to discuss or talk about it. And I'm grateful and I want to see pastors start talking about it pastors start sharing about it i challenge pastors all the time start preaching this from behind your pulpit so you need to understand that's a main reason why i'm talking about this there's a thousand messages on faith there's a hundred thousand messages on prosperity there's ten thousand messages on living your blessed life now there's ten thousand messages on your family and prayer and living in tough times and surviving the storm and jesus multiplying your food and tithing and giving but there's so few messages on casting out demons which is the ministry, write this down, the ministry of Jesus Christ, not Isaiah Saldivar. This is not my ministry. And this is why I tell people, free, steal all my notes, use all my content, preach all my stuff, because casting out demons is not my ministry. It's the ministry of Jesus Christ. So that's number one. 
Number two, why I talk about it so much, and I don't have to answer anybody, but I want to share this with you, is because I'm on a divine assignment. God has given me an assignment. If you don't know, and a lot of you are new tonight, so I'm not going to act like you do know. In August of last year, God gave me an assignment to train the warriors up, to train up spiritual warriors, the body of Christ. God told me that they were not ready, they were not prepared, and they were not trained to deal with the devil. And so I'm on an assignment to train up believers. So I'm on a special assignment that God has given me. Number three, this is the ministry of Jesus. And because I love Jesus, I love what he does. Friend, I love deliverance ministry. I love seeing people free because this is what Jesus did. And when you're in love with somebody, you don't just love the person, you love the thing the person does. And so because I'm in love with Jesus, because this is an overflow of my relationship with Jesus and I love him and I love what he does, I do deliverance because I'm in love with him, because I care about him and I wanna do what he did. As a believer, I'm called to do deliverance ministry. Okay, reason number four is when you compare to all my other messages, it's actually a small percentage. I've taught every week this entire year, and this is my third deliverance training of this entire year. Again, I can teach it every week if I wanted to, but I've been teaching a lot of other topics, so this is my third training of the entire year. And you have to also remember, I have preached, if you're new to the ministry, over 1,500 messages in the last 10 years, and a small percent of those were on deliverance. So in the grand scheme of everything I preached, and again, I'm never gonna apologize for preaching on what Jesus did or what Jesus told us to do, but I wanna give you an idea why I talk about deliverance and why I'm, I'm, I'm hammering it so much. And then lastly, Honestly, it's just, I love casting out demons. I literally love seeing people free. I love seeing people realize who they are in Christ. I love seeing the devil lose in someone's life. I love seeing people get reconciled. I love the ministry of Jesus. So the reason why I talk so much about deliverance is very, very simple. I love to watch freedom in action. Remember, deliverance is freedom in action. It's a visible sign of an invisible kingdom being destroyed. The kingdom of God being established, the kingdom of Satan being destroyed and the kingdom of God being established. So this is why I talk about it. If you want to know, if your pastor asked you, if you've been wondering, you can clip that, you can save that clip there and you can share it with them. Why do I talk about deliverance so much? It's crucial. And guess what? I'm not going to stop talking about it. I'm not going to stop sharing about it just because so-and-so doesn't like it, just because someone made a video that got 40 views about why they don't believe Isaiah Saldivar is true and I'm a false prophet because I believe in deliverance. I'm going to keep preaching and declaring the word of God unapologetically. I'm not going to apologize for preaching on casting out demons. Come on, like this and share this. I'm not going to apologize for preaching deliverance. Okay, question number two, why doesn't the Bible, and this was asked many times, why doesn't the Bible teach us how to cast out demons, but you guys do, referring to all the people that do teach it, okay? Why doesn't the Bible teach how to cast out demons? I've got asked this all the time. I'm gonna give you a very simple answer. My golden night is to give you the simplest answers possible. The very simple answer is this. The original audience of the scripture were already casting out demons. So it's like trying to say, why don't you teach a fish to swim? A, a, a fish doesn't need to learn how to swim. A fish is already swimming. Or why? Would, or you should teach a NASCAR driver. Or why would you teach a NASCAR driver how to drive a car? A NASCAR driver doesn't need to learn how to drive a car when they're already driving a car. So you don't need to teach me something that I'm already doing. And the New Testament, they were already driving out demons. Matthew 10, Jesus sent the 12 to cast out demons. Luke 10, the 72 went out to cast out demons. And in Acts chapter eight, we see Philip in the book of Acts casting out demons. Mark 16, God enlists the entire church to drive out demons. So we don't need to teach them in the Bible when they're already driving out demons. It's like when you go to Africa, 
You don't need to debate in Africa whether demons are real. You don't need to debate in India whether demons are real. They already know they're real. So all of these foolish American arguments of whether demons are real, whether Christians could have demons, all of this foolish arguments we're always having to have and reteach you every single week the same things are not happening in other countries because they're already doing it. They already know it's real. They already believe in the supernatural. It's just these Americans that we have to keep convincing. So again, that's why the Bible doesn't tell you step by step. And it's interesting when Jesus sent the disciples to cast out demons, he didn't even go with them. He sent them out to cast out demons with his power, his authority, and he didn't go with them. And they were able to do it. And they came back and said, even the demons obey us. So it's not that crazy. It's not that complicated. I'm going to give you some simple steps tonight to walk away with. But just know that the original readers of the scripture were not supposed to be us. They were the original readers. It was the Ephesians was to the church of Ephesus. Corinthians was to the church of Corinth. These were people were already doing deliverance ministry. You have to also remember the Bible, the New Testament is a small, it's small. You can literally read the entire New Testament. I've done it several times in one sitting. So if you think that there's going to be all this detail all throughout the New Testament, there's a lot of stuff that we do and talk about in the church that's not in the New Testament because the New Testament is small. Let me give you an example. There's no named pastors in the New Testament. Are pastors biblical? Yeah, they are. Ephesians 4.11. Do I believe in pastors? 100%. Of course. I've been pastoring for 10 years, but just realize that you don't see Pastor John, Pastor James, Pastor Jacob, Pastor Timothy. So just what my point of it is, the New Testament is small. Again, if you read John 21.24, it says the disciple is the one who testifies, or this disciple is the one who testifies to these events and recorded them here. And we know that this account of these things is accurate. But here's what John 21.25 says. Listen to what it says. Jesus also did many other things. And if they were all written down, I suppose the entire world could not contain the books that were written. What's the key verse? Jesus did many other things. Did he do more deliverances? Absolutely. The Bible says in Mark 1, he went from synagogue to synagogue casting out demons. What were the names of the demons? We don't know. How long did it take? We don't know. How many demons were there? We don't know. How many people got delivered? We don't know. There's a lot of vagueness in the New Testament. And so we just have to go after what Jesus said. And he said to cast out demons. So understand that there's a lot in a lot that Jesus did and the disciples did that wasn't written down in scripture. Now, what's interesting is the New Testament only talks about tithing one time. It was when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, okay? So one time they talk about tithing, yet every single week we get up and preach on tithing and tell people they need to tithe. And I agree, that's a great thing to preach. But here's what's interesting. Those pastors that every single week they talk about tithing, yet it's only mentioned one time in the New Testament. The moment we start talking about how everyone needs to get delivered, everyone needs to do deliverance, all the same pastors say, oh, brother, that's not biblical. The Bible doesn't speak that much about deliverance, yet... The Bible speaks much more about demons being cast, cast out than about giving money. So my whole point is, guys, we can't have this thing of like, over here it's wrong, demons wrong, deliverance is wrong, we don't need to talk about it much, it wasn't that much in scripture. But then on the other side, we're always talking about blessing and money and growing our church and strategies and leadership and networking when none of that is barely in scripture. And if it is, it's like one time. And we go on and on about these long doctrines, about being slain in the spirit, which I believe is, is godly. I believe in it. But don't tell me that you have all of these scriptures on slaying in the spirit when you don't, and yet you're bashing me for doing deliverance. Are you guys seeing where I'm going? So we have a lot of people that they choose to preach how they want to preach. And so they'll preach one thing, but then when it comes to deliverance, they'll try to say, oh, it's extra biblical. It's not extra biblical. 
It's not a side doctrine. It's very, very important. So you need to understand that just because you don't see things explicitly on how to in scripture doesn't mean we shouldn't do them when the Bible commands us to do them. Remember, all of God is in the Bible, but not all of God. I'm sorry, let me say this again. All of the Bible is in God, but not all of God is in the Bible. And again, that's very clear according to John chapter 21. The Bible says it's not all in the Bible. There's a lot of stuff God did, Jesus being God, that's not in scripture. So that's not a blasphemy statement. That's a biblical statement. So you need to understand this. Um, I believe that we need to share about this, talk about, preach about this, and continue to because, again, there's a lot of people that are fighting this. Okay, question number three. How do I know if a demon has left and the demon's not just gone into hiding? That's a very, very, very good question. I would say look for signs, okay? Look for signs. If you know if a demon's left and not just hiding in the person, Mark chapter 9 verse 26 says, then the spirit screamed and threw a boy into a violent convulsion, or I'm sorry, let me rephrase this. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and then left him. The boy, listen to what it says, the boy appeared to be dead and a murmur ran through the crowd as people said the boy is dead. So now they're all murmuring. Okay, so this is very common when demons leave. Oftentimes you'll know a demon has left because the person will be screaming loud and then they'll go limp or they'll appear to be lifeless. If you've watched my videos, you'll see this in the videos. You'll literally see a person screaming on the top of their lungs, Mark 9, 26, and then they'll go limp or lifeless and that's when the demon has left. The demon, the Bible says, threw him in another convulsion as he left. So is wild manifestations biblical? Yes. Manifestations as the demon's leaving is a lot of times violent convulsions. When you see people convulting or shaking or rolling or shaking back and forth and you're like, oh, that's not in the Bible. You can go back to Mark 9, 26 and you can tell your pastor it's in the Bible. Convulsing is very common, screaming. But I want you to notice what it says in Mark 9, 26. It says, then the spirit screamed, okay? The spirit screamed and threw the boy into another convulsion. So it's the boy, is the boy screaming? The boy's body screaming, but it's not the boy screaming. It's the spirit screaming out of the boy. So this, the spirit, the demon, the unclean spirit, use the boy's mouth to scream out of. So don't try and come up and tell me it's not biblical. This is all in your Bible. You just need to start reading it, okay? Not just the parts you want to read, the, all of it. You need to read the whole thing. So very common when a demon leaves, oftentimes, again, they'll go limp, uh, lifeless or they'll go limp. It'll also oftentimes leave through a loud scream. Demons often leave through screaming. So if you hear someone screaming loud during deliverance, that's a good sign that demons are not only mad or angry, but also the demons are leaving. Acts chapter 8, verse 7. I'm giving you verses, y'all. Acts chapter 8, verse 7. says, For unclean spirits, crying with loud voices, came out of many that were demonized there with them. And many who were lame and paralyzed were healed. In Acts chapter 8, verse 7, this is Philip the evangelist, the only evangelist recorded in the New Testament, the evangelist Philip. And I think in Acts 20 or 21, we see his name, who is an evangelist Philip. Okay, but in Acts chapter 8, Philip is preaching. People respond to his message, okay? And then he casts demons out of them. But, but notice that the demons were screaming as they were leaving people, as they were leaving their victims. So again, this is Acts chapter 8, verse 7. It's not always the case, and we'll go into manifestations here, but oftentimes the demons are going to scream. Now, at the, end of at the end of the deliverance, another way you can see if demons have gone, 
when I'm done doing the deliverance, I'll go through all the demons I think have come out. So if it's like anger, bitterness, resentment, Jezebel, whatever demons are there, I will go at the very end and I will command those demons that I that I think have already left. Okay, so say a demon of anger left and I'm like, okay, I think the demon left, but I don't know for sure. At the end of the deliverance, I will call on the spirit of anger and say, come up, come up, come out. And I'll, I'll literally put pressure on the demon. If the person doesn't manifest, doesn't hear anything, doesn't feel anything, nothing's crawling in their body. It's safe to say the spirit of anger has left, but there's no definitive way to know. So that's another way you can know. Another way is this. If you want to know if a demon's really left and not just hiding, give the person a week. Say, okay, I want you to contact me in a week. Let me know how you feel. We think the demons are left, but just see if the demons are still there. Because remember, demons are very, very tricky. I've told this story before and I'll tell it again. We are doing deliverance one day on a, on a woman very early in the morning. She was a pastor at a church. We are doing deliverance on a lot of pastors at a church and we are doing deliverance. And she said, I know I have a demon. I hear voices. I'm hundred percent sure of it. I need deliverance. Very awesome woman of God. We prayed over her for like 45 minutes. Nothing manifested. Nothing happened. She just yawned the entire time. Well, my deliverance partner said, I wonder if that's a spirit yawning through her. It's not actually her. I said, no, I think she's just tired because it's early in the morning. She goes home. She takes a nap. She calls back at like 6 p.m. The senior pastor and says, I took a nap. I never nap. I hate naps. I've never taken a nap before in like the last 10 years. And I don't know why I took a nap. I've been tired all day. Something's going on. I want to come back. I know there's a demon there. I need to get deliverance. I told her when we're done doing deliverance on all the people that day, you can come back in and we'll pray deliverance over you. She came back in at around 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. We started praying over her and she immediately started manifesting a spirit of slumber. And the spirit began to speak out of the lady and say, I was there this whole morning. I was the one talking to you guys and I tricked you guys. You guys didn't know I was there. I'm smarter than you guys. So the whole time, the 45 minutes we were praying and she was yawning, she was manifesting a spirit of slumber. We just didn't know. And she wasn't saying anything. She was just sitting there blank yawning and didn't realize it was a demon trick us to get her out of the deliverance and away from us but thank god she realized no this is a demon because i never take naps and i don't know why i napped throughout the day so that was a demon tricking us so you need to realize demons are very crafty very tricky you need to rely on the holy spirit because demons can try and trick you they will oftentimes in deliverance go down in hiding they will rotate when they're getting weak they'll go back in hiding another demon will come up and so you need to realize that these things happen in deliverance and so you don't always know if they're gone but you could always go back at the very end and call them out and if nothing's there it's safe to conclude that the demons are gone okay the next question is where do we send demons when we cast them out? Where do the demons go when they leave people? And this is very interesting. And the reason why it's interesting because the Bible doesn't give us a ton of information on this. Um, one thing you do need to know is demons are afraid of their eternal punishment that's coming. Revelation 20 verse 10 says there is coming a time where every demon, the devil, all of his angels, everyone, all the evil spirits are going to get cast in a lake of fire and to be tormented for all of eternity. And that's why when Jesus would show up, they'd say, have you come to torment us before the time? That's in Mark chapter 1. You can also see that in Matthew 8, 29 nine when the, when legion was there the spirit was saying if you come to torment us before the time it knew that there was a time of judgment now in mark chapter 5 legion begged not to be sent out of the country which makes us know it's possible to send demons into other territories into other places i wouldn't recommend it it's not the pattern of scripture but it is possible and mark 5 they said send us to the pigs and jesus gave the demons permission to go into the pigs there's no listen to me there's no biblical explanation i know many of you asked this on why jesus 
let the demons go into the pigs or allow them to go into the pigs, but just know it's not pattern. So don't try and send the demons into your neighbor's dog. Don't try to send your demons into a cat somewhere or a guinea pig or the hamster that you don't like. Don't be trying to send demons into animals just because Jesus did it. Because remember, this is not a doctrine. This was a one-time thing we see in scripture. And we've got to be careful that we don't make one-time experiences into doctrines. Because you're going to experience weird things in deliverance. Unexplainable things you cannot explain, you don't understand. And so we don't make doctrines out of them. We just move on, we cast them out, and we move on. So don't be trying to cast out demons into the pigs next door or into the horses or to your neighbor's cows that smell up your house don't do that it's not a good idea is it possible well according to scripture demons can go into animals um and i think some of you probably have some animals that are demonized but praise the lord we'll go into that another day but don't be sending them into pigs it's not the pattern of scriptures okay and that's one of the problems with deliverance is we want fixed methods but we don't want to rely on the holy spirit and you need to rely on the holy spirit more than you rely on fixed methods when it comes to deliverance so you need to rely on that and understand that now where i send demons and where i would recommend you sending demons i know some people say i send them to the feet of jesus i don't send demons to the feet of jesus i send demons to the abyss or the pit they are both the same thing if you're taking notes you send them to the abyss or the pit in mark 9 25 um, Jesus told a demon to come out and never enter again, but the demons didn't want to go to the abyss. They didn't want to go to the pit. So in Luke 8:31, the King James Version, the demons begged Jesus not to send them back into the deep or into the abyss. The deep and the abyss are the same words. So here's my thinking. If the demons don't want to go into the abyss or the pit, that's the best place to send them. And I've had many deliverances where the demon literally said, don't send us to the abyss. Don't send us to the pit. We'll go anywhere but the abyss. Now, some of you might say, where's the abyss? In Romans 10, 7, the Bible describes the abyss as the place of the dead. In Revelation 17, it says the Antichrist will rise out of the abyss. In Revelation chapter 20, it says the abyss is where Satan will be bound for a thousand years before being let out again. So I understand the abyss as this waiting place, this holding place where we send demons until they are ultimately judged. But here's the thing. We don't want to just cast demons out of one person and send them in and then let them go into another person because we want to take them out of circulation. Here's the analogy I use and you can use this. If you have a fake $100 bill and you go to the bank, they're not going to put the money back in the drawer and give it back out to someone else. They're going to destroy the $100 bill and take it out of circulation. Our goal in deliverance is not getting a demon out of this person and then it goes out into another person. Our goal is getting the demon out of the system, getting it out of circulation. So you need to understand that in Revelation chapter 9, the abyss is described, or the pit, they're the same word, as an area under the earth that has a shaft where smoke comes out like a furnace. Um, and Bill Weiss has talked about this in his book. I believe that's where we send demons. If I'm going to send them anywhere, I'm not going to send them to the feet of Jesus because Jesus is in heaven right now making intercession for me. So it's like, why am I going to try to send a demon to heaven where Jesus is? So my theory is sending them to the abyss of the pit. Again, they said they don't want to go there in Luke 8.31. So that's a very good place to send them if they don't want to go there. I believe it's a holding place. You can do what you want to do. I teach people that's the safest place to send them is to the abyss or to the pit. It's a safe place. Okay. Next question, I got asked this probably 50 plus times on Instagram today. How do you get a demon to manifest? How do you get a demon to expose itself? Now, the word manifest means to make something clear to the eye or the mind. So it literally means to bring something to the light or make something known. So a lot of people say, what does it mean when a demon manifests? This is all a demon manifesting means. It means a demon that was hiding is now brought to the light. So for example, if a person is at an altar and someone's praying for them and the demon starts speaking out of their mouth that's the demon manifesting because the demon was hiding and now it's revealed itself if a person's shaking rolling 
convulsing and they don't know how to stop it. It's a demon manifesting, exposing itself. So anytime the demons get exposed, that's the demon manifesting. So write that down. Manifesting means to bring something out into the open, to make it clear to the eye or to the mind. Demons are invisible. Spirits are invisible. Demons, and no, we haven't gone over self-deliverance. We're going to though. Demons cannot be seen with the natural eye. They can only be seen with your spiritual eye, which I'll talk about later. And so we've been given spiritual eyes. The Bible makes that clear. Elisha prayed for a servant's eyes to be open, his spiritual eyes, so he could see the angels all around the armies. So we do all have spiritual eyes. We need to pray that God would open our spiritual eyes. And that's through the discerning of spirits as part of our spiritual senses. I have a video of this on the channel. I won't go into it for the sake of time. But just know demons can't be seen in the natural by the natural eye. And so the only way we discern them is through manifestations. So a manifestation manifestation could be a crazy evil thought a crazy evil desire these are things where now a demon you know a demon's there a demon has manifested so if i say have you ever manifested and you're getting crazy thoughts to kill yourself that's a demon manifesting because it's revealing itself that you know it's there so the way we get them to manifest there's a couple ways but let me just give you a couple you can write down number one is by calling them out by putting pressure on them and if you're in deliverance ministry if you're new you're going to get to learn this when you call a demon out you put pressure on them, they usually expose themselves. So this could be something like, I bind every unclean spirit that's living on the inside of person. I command every unclean spirit to be broken and bound. I command every unclean spirit to, and I hope no one's manifesting right now, but some of you will be. I command every unclean spirit to reveal themselves. I command every unclean spirit to come out of hiding. I pray the light of Christ would expose into every dark area, every hiding unclean spirit. So these are all ways we get them to manifest. You can also torment them. You can plead the blood of Jesus against them. I plead the blood of Jesus against you, Satan. You are bound. You have no power. These are the things I would pray to somebody. You can pray the fire of God. Demons hate the fire of God. So you can literally pray. I pray the fire of God to go in there and burn out and to torment any demons that are in there hiding so that they would come out from hiding. You can anoint the person with oil. Demons hate the anointing. They hate the oil. So you can just put a little dab of oil on the forehead or anywhere on their body and just put the anointing of God against them. Um, sometimes people will manifest in anointed environments. Remember when Jesus showed up, demons that were hiding in people in Mark 1 in the synagogue were never exposed until the presence of Jesus showed up. So the very presence of Jesus made the demons manifest. If you're wondering why demons manifest when you're at the gym, I used to be at the gym and the people next to me would be manifesting and growling and they didn't know why. It was the presence of Jesus on me, through me, in me was making the manifest. I've been to grocery stores and somebody manifested. I've been in front of a 7-Eleven and the lady's like, what do you want from us? And she started manifesting a demon. So if you're wondering why people are involuntarily manifesting around you, take that as a very, very good sign that they hate the presence of Jesus. And in Acts 4.13, it says they were unskilled and uneducated, yet the Pharisees marveled that they had been with Jesus. So the Pharisees were able to tell that they had been with Jesus. People will be able to tell that you've been with Jesus. So these are different things. The blood of Jesus, a great tool against demons. And you have to also remember, I said this a couple weeks ago, demons have never met a believer like you. They don't know what to do with someone who knows their legal authority in the spirit. So they're afraid of you. Like you're trained, you're equipped, you're a spiritual sniper, you're in these trainings. Most believers are afraid of demons. They're never going to confront. They're never going to call out. And so these are the way that we expose demons. Now, some of you might say, how have I been in church for 40 years and a demon never manifested? And the answer is no one's ever prayed against a demon. No one's ever called a demon out and demons are not going to expose themselves voluntarily. They're professional hide and seek. They don't want you to know they're there because if they manifest, and I'm reading the comments, then you're going to know they're there and you're going to deal with them. So they try to remain undetected. They don't want you to know they're there. So pray, command them to come out. These are all different ways you can do it. Another way to make them manifest, write this down. 
is getting them to renounce things. So if they have a spirit of anger, renounce anger. Sometimes when they're renouncing, they're repenting, they're breaking ties, which is all renouncing means, the demons will start manifesting during the renouncing. Demons will also manifest during anointed worship, worship services. They'll also manifest during a long fast. If you've ever been on a long fast and you're like, every time I fast, all hell breaks out, I get all the craziest desires and I get all the craziest thoughts, it's because you're making the demon uncomfortable. Demons manifest, oh, I'm preaching strong tonight, when they get uncomfortable. So when a demon gets uncomfortable, it begins to expose itself. It begins to reveal itself. It can't hide any longer. There's too much light for it to hide in. So I tell people this, if you want demons to manifest and come out of you, make your house, your spiritual house, which is what the Bible calls us, a place where demons don't want to live in. Remember, Jesus said that the demons call us their home. So demons think that we are their home according to Jesus. And so you need to realize if you make the home uncomfortable, they won't want to live there. I remember a demon one time I was casting out and I've had several say this, say, how did you know we were living in a house? And my response is because the Bible says it. Jesus said the demon goes out, comes back, says, I'm going to go back to my home. So those are different ways you can get the demon to manifest. Um, I was in an altar call recently and I saw a young man at the altar and I saw in the spirit a dark figure over the young man. I didn't need to ask him if he was there for deliverance. I didn't need to ask him if he needed deliverance. I went straight up to him and I said this, this young man is not your home. Come out of him in Jesus name. And the moment I said that, he looked up and started screaming and screeching and a demon started manifesting and trying to talk to me. And we cast the demon out of the young man in about 10 minutes, it was a powerful encounter. But just know one of the best ways is let him know, we know you're there and that you can no longer live in this person because they think that they can lay claim to people and live in them. And so make sure you do that. Now, what if the demons don't manifest? What if you're doing deliverance and they come in for deliverance and the demons don't manifest? Let me give you a couple things to think about if the demons don't manifest. Um, number one, if that happens, I would keep applying pressure for five to 10 minutes. I would keep applying pressure. And that's just simply saying, I bind you, Satan. I know you're there. You must come out. You must leave in Jesus' name. The blood is against you. The fire of God is against you. That's how you put pressure, okay? So you're going to keep applying pressure. If they're still not manifesting, put some worship music on. Have five or 10 minutes of prayer time. And then maybe even say, hey, let's come back another day and try this again if you really feel like a demon's there. Now, if they don't feel like a demon's there, if they're not getting dominating thoughts, if they don't feel something crawling in their body, if they don't hear voices, and maybe they don't have a demon. So that's another conclusion. But here's what I want to say to all of you guys we're training here tonight. I'm always leery of telling someone they don't have a demon if they feel they do have a demon. Because the best one to know whether you have a demon or not is you. So I can't stand all of these pastors that say, you don't have a demon, nothing's a demon. And by saying nothing's a demon, now the devil never gets driven out because nothing's a demon. So if we say nothing's a demon, we actually do damage because now we're not able to deal with the devil properly. So I'm, I'm very leery of telling people, oh, you don't have a demon, just repent more or just fast more or just pray more. If you genuinely feel like you have a demon, I, I, would, I would pray. I would go to war against it. I would confront it and I would put pressure on it and I would keep doing that. If nothing manifests, let's come back and try again like that girl I shared with you earlier. Let's come back and do another deliverance. Okay, next question. We're moving along here. How do I stop someone? And we're, yeah, we're, we're 40 minutes in. It's all right. We're going to go for it here. Type one if you want me to keep going. How do I stop someone from manifesting? If someone's manifesting a demon, how do I stop them? If it's not the right time, if it's not the right place, this is very important, very simple, like I'm leaving it tonight. If somebody's manifesting and you can't stop it, call them by their name. Call them by their name. 
and commanded to stop in Jesus' name. Now, why would I want someone to stop manifesting? A couple reasons. Number one, if you're at the end of an altar call and you know the person needs a one-on-one deliverance and it's not going to happen there at the altar because they're in the occult or they're unbelievers or you know you need to take it into another session, then you'd stop the manifestation. If the person's hurting themselves and there's no one there to help you, you would stop it. I've had people slamming their head on the ground and so it's like, let's stop this. Let's move it to another room. Let's get more people involved. So you need to call them by name. I recently had a lady. It was very hard to stop and everyone's like, just keep praying. I'm like, no, we're not going to keep praying. Get her out of the environment. Get her off the altar because the demon's manifesting because the presence of God's so strong and they're angry. Let's get her sitting down in the back of the church or on a chair. Let's look at her in the face. Let's call her name. What is her name? And I found out her name and I kept calling her. It took about three minutes of calling her name and saying, I command you to stop in Jesus' name and, and calling her name till she finally woke up, didn't know what was going on, and finally came to. So you need to make sure that you can stop it. Now, don't be afraid of stopping deliverance to move it to another room or to do another session or if it's gone three hours and you need a break and you need to do it on another day, don't be afraid of stopping because if you stop it, you could always restart it. So you need to call them out by their actual name. What you say is, I want to talk to Julia. I do this. I don't want to talk to the demon. I don't want to talk to the spirit. Spirit, go back into hiding. I'll deal with you later. I want to talk to Julia in Jesus' name. Julia, come back up. And then she'll come back and be like, what's going on? Or she'll be like, I could hear them talking. So there's different levels of consciousness when dealing with deliverance. But just know the best way to stop it is call them out by name. Very, very important. Um, that's how you stop someone from manifesting. Okay. Can a demon, next question, can a demon come out of the person and go into someone else if we're doing deliverance in a room? No. And the reason is, is because we're commanding them to go out to the abyss and we're taking them out of circulation. Also remember this, Jesus did his deliverance in public and so did Philip in Acts chapter eight. So Jesus was not concerned. There's no scripture that says, a demon's gonna come out of them and jump in someone else. It's not scriptural, so don't be afraid. I have a lot of people like on TikTok, especially, that are like, oh, you shouldn't be doing deliverance in a room full of people. The demons are gonna jump in the little kids. This is not scriptural. Demons can only enter through open doors. They can't jump out of one person and jump in someone else because the other person that they would jump into is not their assignment. Demons are assigned. Listen to me closely, I'm helping somebody. Demons are assigned to people. So you have to realize if a person has a demon assigned to them, the demon cannot jump out of me and jump into you because you're not their assignment, I am. So if I command it to go to the abyss, it's not gonna jump out of me. So you don't need to be afraid of doing deliverance in public. You don't need to be afraid, pastor, of doing deliverance at the altar. You don't need to be afraid of doing deliverance in front of people because demons are not gonna jump off one person and jump into the other person. It's just not scriptural. So don't say it's dangerous. The only danger during deliverance, the only person in danger is Satan and his minions, okay? This is the only person, tweet that, the only person in danger is Satan and his minions. No one else is in danger, the kids are not in danger, the leaders are not in danger, people are not in danger, you're not gonna get backlash and attacked and all that. Is there warfare? Yes, that's for another day, but just know demons can't jump out of one person into another person, okay. Next question. These are good, y'all. You guys sent these in. So can you get delivered without manifesting? Okay, very, very good. If I'm not yelling, if I'm not manifesting, if I'm not screaming out, is it possible to still get deliverance? And the answer is yes. It's not common, but it is possible. And here's the deal. Our goal in deliverance is not to get you to manifest, it's to get you free. So most of the time there's no there most of the time there is a manifestation, but other times I've seen people get free with no manifestation. Let me give you a biblical example. Luke chapter 13, we don't see a, ma a demonic manifestation, yet the woman was delivered with no manifestation. So you can get delivered with no manifestation. 
Again, write this down. We're not looking for manifestations. We are looking for freedom. Okay, next question is, Isaiah, what are the basics you go through every deliverance? I want you to get a notepad out. This right here is gold. You need to write this down. I'm going to give you the seven practical steps. I don't have time to go into detail on these, but the seven practical steps I go through every single time I do deliverance, okay? And I have all these as I'm going through. This is my process. So write it down, seven steps to casting out demons. Get ready for this. Number one, okay, if you're new and you're like, I just want to get in this. I don't know where to start. I, I can't watch all your videos. You have over 50 hours. It's too much. This is all you need right here. If this is you, be ready to write this down for friends and family that are wanting to learn. This is all they need right here. Okay, number one is make sure your life is clean and the Holy Spirit reigns in your life. Listen to me closely. If you're involved in doing currently watching pornography, engaging in sin, if you're bitter, if you have resentment, unforgiveness, if you're currently involved in practicing sin and don't be like, well, what about, you know what I'm talking about, then deliverance is not for you currently, okay? So number one is you need to make sure your life is clean and the Holy Spirit is reigning in your life. Number two, you need to make sure the person's comfortable and they know that this is an act of love. These are the basic ones. We're going to go them quick and we're, we're going to go to the next question, okay? Make sure they know it's an act of love and then make sure they're comfortable. That's number two. Explain to the person you're doing deliverance on, we're doing this because Jesus loves you. It's an act and it's a part of the finished work of the cross. We want you to be comfortable. We want you to be excited about it. We want you to be desperate for it, but understand they need to know it's an act of love. Okay, that's number two. That's that's the basics. I go through this every time. Everyone I do deliverance on, I let them know like, hey, I want you to know we're doing this because we love you. Jesus loves you. We don't earn deliverance. Write that down. We don't earn deliverance. It's not a thing that I can earn. It's a free gift. It's a part of the cross. It's a provision according to the gospels of the cross. So you need to make sure that, okay. Number three to the process. Number three is we lead them through prayers of renouncing, repentance, breaking soul ties, dealing with unforgiveness, and verbally confessing they want to be free. I'm gonna say it again. Number three, we lead them through prayers of renouncing, repentance, breaking soul ties or any other ties or curses and doing any dealing with any unforgiveness and confessing that they want to be free so those are the processes like we're going to go through renouncing as simple as i renounce this i renounce anger i renounce bitterness you're breaking the tie you're they're removing their legal right because demons are only there because they have a legal right to be there breaking curses breaking ties i have all the videos on that if you need more detail on this go on my channel i have videos on all this okay number four once you've done that all you do is you begin, I'm trying to keep it so basic tonight, is you bind the demon power in Jesus' name. Remember, we can't do anything without Jesus, so we bind the demon power in, Je in the name of Jesus. So whatever spirit you think might be there or you've seen manifest or you know is there, you're just gonna say, I bind the spirit of anger, I bind the spirit of addiction. Whatever it is, you start putting pressure on that demon. Start with whatever demon you know is possibly there and go from there. And then you're gonna bind it and command the spirit to go into the abyss, okay? That's what I just talked to you guys about. So you bind the spirit in Jesus' name and you command it to go into the abyss. Now, if the demon starts talking, okay, which I'm about to go into in a minute here, and I know I'm going long and it is what it is, okay? It's old school style here. We're going long. If the demon starts talking, then you're going into step number five, okay? Step number five is see if the demon has consent to stay. If it has consent, make the person confess that sin. Make them renounce that sin. So number five, see what consent the demon has if a spirit of anger is manifesting and i'm and i'm commanding it okay i'm saying in jesus name leave and i'm quoting scripture and i'm binding it and a lot of pastors say, oh that's all you have to do that's not the, that's not the case usually and the demon's still there and it's not leaving then i'm going to ask it why are you there what is your legal right 
then the demon will usually not respond. It'll try to play games with me. How'd you know I was here? What do you want from me? Um, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? I'm too strong. It'll start talking back to you, okay? You need to know what is your legal right? Do you have a legal right to be there? If it says no, then you need to keep putting pressure on the demon and get it out. You need to brute force it out. If it says yes, you need to ask the demon, what is your legal right? When the demon tells you it's legal right, then you need to wake the person up, call the person back and make them renounce it. Then call the demon back and command the demon to leave. Now, sometimes the demon will just go right when they're done renouncing it. You'll just, I command you to go anger and the spirit will just leave and they'll start screaming and fill it. Other times it does take time and they're stubborn demons. Okay. So you need to ask it, what is your legal right? And if it has none, you need to make it leave. Okay. So once you've done that, that's the process, that's the basic, that's as basic as I could possibly get it for new people. Once you've done that, step number six, write this down, is go back two to three times and make sure nothing is left. Let me show you this. I've lost track of how many times I thought the deliverance was over. And then I went back and I started calling demons out that I that we thought were cast out and the demons were still there or another demon was there. I've been in deliverances after an hour. I'm like, oh, we're done. There's no more demons. And then at the very, very end, the last prayer, another demon manifests. So again, we want to go back and that's as simple as doing this. If you know what demons were there, anger, bitterness, resentment, suicide, rage, whatever it was, I'm gonna call those demons back out and see if they're still there. If they're not there, then I move on to the next one. But we wanna go back and check. By putting pressure on them, we wanna go back and check to make sure the demons are not still there and make sure nothing's left. So that's step number six. Also be talking to the person. If you guys get kicked out, just refresh the page. We're having some issues online tonight, it's all right. If Also ask the person, how do you feel? Um, see what they say. If they say, I feel something crawling in me still, well, there's a demon still there. If they say, I feel a thought saying like anger still there, then there's anger still there. So let the, see how the person feels, but don't feed them the answer. Okay. Don't say, do you feel lighter or do you feel something crawling? Cause then you're that they know that's what you want them to say. So don't feed them answers. Ask the person, how do you feel? But if you say, do you feel heat? Then they're like, oh, am I supposed to? Yeah, I do. You know, don't feed them answers. Ask them a legitimate question. Okay. After that's done, that's step number six. Number seven, the last one here, when we end the deliverance, this is a one-on-one -on -one deliverance, not altar deliverance, one-on-one -on -one deliverance, it's a different thing. We're gonna pray the anointing and protection over the person, very, very important. We're gonna pray the anointing and the protection that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that every hole that's gone, every empty room that demons have left, that the Holy Spirit would now fill it and the demons would not come back in Jesus' name. They have no power, they have no authority. These are prayers of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, and this is gonna help keep the person demon-proof. Okay, so those are the seven basic. I tried to keep it so simple, so basic, so you can just have those and you know that's the order if you're brand new there you go okay i have a video on my channel about children deliverance all right next question is i know i'm going way longer than i expected to go here um yeah we're going way going way long here than i thought okay the next question is can i cast demons out of myself and i want to answer this by saying yes and no you can but it's not easy and i also want to say this about self-deliverance it's not the pattern of scripture it's not very common but you can do it it is possible it's just not easy to do now let me tell you why some of the challenges of self-deliverance okay everyone's to take my time all right the challenges of self-deliverance are number one demons manifest and you can't speak out so if you're trying to do self-deliverance and the demon's manifesting and you're trying to tell it to go and it's manifesting that's a challenge the other challenge is you can't discern what demons are there because you think its thoughts are your thoughts. So that's another challenge of self-deliverance. Um, another challenge is no one's there to pray you through. 
Remember James 5.16 says, Confess your sin one to another that you may be healed. The fervent prayer of the righteous is powerful. So if you have no one there praying you through, you're going to have a hard time because there's power when someone prays for you. So you can do it, but it's not easy. I tried doing it when I first got saved. It was impossible. I was choking. The demons were growling out of me. They were angry. They were yelling. Everybody share this on Facebook here and like it on YouTube. And so I wasn't able to get the demons out and my little sister ended up doing deliverance on me, okay? If you're going to try doing self-deliverance, let me give you some steps on how to do it. Um, one step is you do it like regular deliverance. Exactly the seven steps I just gave you, you do that in self-deliverance. You renounce, you forgive, you repent, you do all the stuff we say to be able to get the demons out. And then when you feel a demon coming up, here's a tip, take a deep breath, expel, breathe out. Remember, demons oftentimes leave out of your mouth. That's oftentimes where they go when they scream out of you. Where do you think they're screaming out of? Your mouth. That's the biblical way a demon would leave a person. So they could leave other ways, but generally, 80 plus percent of the time, they leave out of the mouth. So if you're doing self-deliverance, take deep breaths. Help push the demons out by taking deep breaths. I know it sounds weird to you, but you'll understand once you do deliverance on what I'm talking about, okay? You gotta remember the same word for breath or wind is spirit. So the word for breath in the Bible is the word for spirit. So there's a lot that has to do with breathing and the spirit. So get that spirit out, sometimes taking deep breaths. Um, sometimes spirits will also leave through exhaling, coughing, or gagging. Spirits will also leave through that. Burping is another one. I know people say burping 100%. That's when demons leave too. Every manifestation is different. So not everyone will manifest here or there. I would say uh, definitely a thing that could help you and you might think this is funny, is looking into a mirror. If you really want to get aggressive and do self-deliverance, get in front of a mirror, look in front of the mirror, and start commanding that demon to come out and start binding that demon. And, and you'll see, God can do whatever he wants. If God wants to deliver you through self-deliverance, it'll happen. Just know it's not the pattern of scripture. Okay, next question. Is it common to get multiple deliverances? Very good question. I'm glad you asked that. Yes, and here's a few, why, few reasons why it's common to get multiple deliverances. Number one, the person was not ready and they need to come back for another deliverance. So what's gonna happen when you bring people into deliverance, you're gonna see that some people are just flat out not ready to get delivered. You're gonna notice this, there's unforgiveness, there's bitterness, they're hanging on, there's unbelief, there's doubt. I have another video on why deliverances fail. I won't go into all the details, but just know there's people that are just not ready. So if I see you're not ready, guess what? We're not doing the deliverance. Hey, it looks like you're not ready. There's still unforgiveness you don't want to let go of. There's still hurt you don't want to let go of. There's still bitterness you don't want to let go of. There's unbelief. You don't really believe it. You think this is fake. I don't have time to waste. You don't have time to waste. We'll book another session, but we're not going to keep doing this if you're not ready. So that's one reason why you might need multiple sessions. Number two, if there's still a demon hiding that wasn't revealed and you find out later. So say you get delivered and then later you find out there's still a spirit there that was hiding that we didn't we didn't get to the surface, you might need another session. Let me say this clearly and loudly, and I'm, I'm yelling as loud as I can anyways. There's no shame in getting multiple deliverances, okay? Write that down. Put it in the chat. There's no shame in getting multiple deliverances. If you have 10 demons and I only cast out two, then you need more deliverance. So there's no shame in that and getting multiple deliverances. I hate when people shame people. They say, oh, you don't need to keep coming back for more deliverance. It's your flesh. If there's a demon there, you need more deliverance. So don't be afraid of that. There's no shame. And I don't ever want to shame anybody and make them feel bad about needing more deliverance. I know what I'm saying is not popular and I know other pastors are going to disagree with me. It's okay. That's why I'm on my page and my name's above me and not yours. It's okay to disagree with me, but this is not your channel. So this is what I'm telling you. There's no shame in your multiple deliverance game. Okay. Number three, why you need multiple deliverance is you ran out of time. 
Okay, and let me just say this. There's some deliverances where it's like, oh, we did deliverance for three hours when really it was two and a half hours of talking and 30 minutes of deliverance. So you have to realize sometimes if you're running out of time or it's going late in the night, don't be afraid of stopping the deliverance and saying, we're just going to come back and do another deliverance. It's no big deal. We'll come pray for you. Because remember, deliverance is just prayer. So stop shaming people. It's just prayer. So say, hey, let's come back. Let's pray again next week. Let's pray again at the altar next week. Let's pray again in the room next week. Let's get another session going. Let's put you back on the list, give you a week off here, and we'll get the demons out of you next week. So don't be afraid of stopping it if the demons are still there. That's why you might need more deliverance. If the deliverance session went long, think about how much time you actually spent in deliverance. And you're going to see usually 20% is actually deliverance and 80% is you talking and the other person telling you what they've been going through. Okay. Last reason why you might need multiple deliverances is you had an altar deliverance, but you need a more in-depth deliverance. When I'm at the altar, I have a, a small amount of time, usually 30 minutes to an hour. If I'm lucky, sometimes 10 minutes. And so I could get some demons up there, get them out and get them cast out. But a lot of times at the altar, you guys have heard me say this a hundred times. If you're not new at the altar, I say, you're going to need some more deliverance. So go on our deliverance map, which I'll talk about later. Check out someone to get you delivered. You need a one-on-one -on -one session because that's the best way to do it. Um, altar deliverances sometimes are not efficient. They're good when the power's there. And when we do it, I love mass deliverance altar. There's a place for it, but to be thorough, sometimes you'll need to come back for an in-depth one-on-one deliverance, which is what I prefer, but I still do love whooping up the devil at the altar. I will whoop the devil any chance I get. So if I could whoop him up at the altar, if I could whoop him up in a back room somewhere, wherever I could whip the devil up, I'm going to do it. Any chance I get to cast out a demon, I'm going to do it. It's just not always an opportune time. People come to, can you pray for deliverance? And there's a line of 80 people waiting to meet me or whatever. And I'm like, I can't do it right now because it's going to take time and I'm not able to I have the pastors waiting in the back for me. We have dinner arrangements, whatever it is, it's not always opportune. So that's why I recommend getting people in one-on-one -on -one deliverance. And you know me because you've come up to me, some of you, and this has happened. Okay. Next question. Can, and I'll try to put chapters on these questions. I don't know. Maybe we'll do it on YouTube. We'll see what we do here. Can a person with demons minister and do deliverance on other people? So if I have demons, can I do deliverance on other people? And the answer is yes. Okay. Most, and here's why, because most of the time people don't even know they're demonized and they're doing deliverance. And then eventually they find out, Oh, I have demons. I need to get delivered. So you can do deliverance with demons, but let me say this. If you know you need deliverance, I would recommend getting deliverance before ministering, okay? In case your demons interrupt the deliverance, but it's not required. Now you might say, oh brother, that's not true. Can you pray for the sick while you're sick? Paul went through sickness and was praying for the sick. So I would say, if you can pray for the sick while being sick, you can pray for the demonized while being demonized. Again, if you're manifesting dramatically, I would recommend getting delivered first before you're trying to do deliverance on others, but getting delivered, write this in the chat, is not a prerequisite to doing deliverance, although I recommend it. And here's why, because it's not your power that's doing deliverance, it's the power of Christ. So this is not about what I've done, this is about what Christ has done. So yes, you can, I've done deliverance with people that have been my deliverance partners, they didn't find out they need deliverance for years. In fact, some people get delivered, and this is another reason why you need multiple sessions, and you get demons later on for opening up a door. So it's not wrong to go in for a tune-up, okay? Go in for an oil change. Go in for more deliverance. I'm, I need to do that right now. I need to get, and I'll probably do this soon, another deliverance just to make sure, just to get a tune-up to just prevent, make sure nothing's there, lingering, hiding. I didn't let anything in somehow. I'm going to do that soon. I was thinking about today. I was like, I need to get a tune-up. I need to go get a deliverance just to make sure nothing's there. 
I'm a deliverance preacher, y'all. Like I'm, I have more deliverance content on YouTube than any other creator and I'm humbling myself and I'm going to call a buddy and say, Hey, can you guys pray for me? Because I need to go through to make sure nothing's there. Again, this is not something a pastor is going to tell you, but I'm not afraid to humble myself and say, I, I could go through a, a tune up there. Okay. And if there's a critter on board, there's a demon hiding. I want to get it out of me. So I don't want nothing hiding in me, hindering me, hindering my walk. Okay. Next question is, can I deliver someone who is unwilling? Let me say it's very hard because Satan and God both recognize free will. And I've yet to see a deliverance that was forced on someone and it actually be effective. Now you might say, why well, watch guys on YouTube that are on the streets and they're doing deliverance on drug addicts and drug dealers. Okay. A lot of times what you're seeing is someone manifesting, but the demon not leaving. I could sit for an three hours and roll around on the ground with somebody manifesting a demon and them not getting free again our goal is to get them free and if there's an unbeliever or someone that you know has a demon that doesn't want to get free there's a 90 I, i've never seen i've never seen someone that didn't want deliverance get a demon cast out of them because remember if they have a legal right the demons literally don't have to leave because demons are legalistic this is all about like law it's all law they're there because someone let them be there and they don't have to leave unless someone breaks that legal right so just so you know that's something to think about and then the whole to say like i was thinking today those of you that say christians can't have demons to say christians can't have demons listen to what i'm about to say to say christians can't have demons is to say there's no need for deliverance ministry because why would we do deliverance ministry all we need to do is get people saved then they're christian and christians can't have demons so are you guys seeing that there that's another proof there that it's ridiculous to say christians can't have demons because if that was the case there'd be no need to cast out demons just get them saved and there's no more demons which is not scriptural so there you go you can put that and use that as your little ammo there all right next question is it normal to be nervous when i have a deliverance scheduled yes yes it is it's normal to be nervous it's normal to get a flat tire it's normal to have your stomach turning it's normal to hear voices saying this is fake it's normal to hear voices saying this is made up this is not real you're not going to get delivered we're not demons we're your flesh we're not demons we're just voices these are all things you're going to hear when you schedule a deliverance let me say i would recommend not scheduling it months ahead of time because you're going to be tormented usually until the deliverance so just know it is absolutely normal to be nervous before your deliverance okay next question is where do demons live we're going to go through this one very very quick principally demons live in the air um the bible says in ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 as for you you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler listen to this ephesians 2 and of the ruler who's the devil of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient wow listen to what paul just said he's the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient so demons primarily or our powers and principalities live in the air they roll um they roam in the air the second heaven I have a teaching on this and then they command lower ranking demons into people so basically they're up there in the air in the second heaven and daniel 10 you can see second heaven warfare if you're interested in learning some about that but when you sin it opens a door habitually sin opens a door or whatever it is you open a door Ouija board whatever it is and then the demons in the second heaven command lower ranking demons to go into you they see the open door and they're able to go down and come into you so that's principally where they live 
They also, some believe, have access to hell and the regions below the earth. I don't know because the Bible doesn't make a bunch of it clear. Whether they do, I do believe there's demons in hell. Whether they can go back and forth from hell or not, I don't know. But I do know there are demons in hell. Um, Luke 11, 24, demons also live in dry places, okay? Demons live in dry places. When the unclean spirit has gone out of the man, the Bible says he walks through dry places. Demons also live in evil places where crimes are committed, where evil things have been done. That's in Revelation 2.13. It says, I know where you live. You live where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You do not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, Antipas, my faithful witness, who is put to death in your city. And this is what uh, John says, where Satan lives. So two times in that passage, John says, Satan lives in a specific city. So demons and satanic structures and demonic kingdoms, they do live in cities. They do live in places. They do dwell in places. Um, but here's the bottom line. Above all of that I just said, Demons live inside of people and they want to live inside of people. Demons would rather live in people than any other place. Listen to what Luke 11, 24 says. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, whether that's the man dies, whether the demon leaves by free will or whether it's cast out, we don't know. It just says when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest. He's looking for someone to He's looking for somewhere to make camp. He's looking for somewhere to rest. He's looking for someone to somewhere to establish his home. He finds no rest. And this is what the demon says, according to Jesus. Listen to what the demon says. This is quoting Jesus. I will return to my house, which I came from. Okay. Where did he come from? A man. Who's the man? The demon's house. So demons want to live in you. You are their home. They need a body to sin through. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Okay, that's in the Bible. So just like the Holy Spirit needs a body to work through, okay, the Holy Spirit needs a body to work through. That's why in Romans 12, Paul said, offer your body to God. Demons also need bodies to establish Satan's kingdom through. So demons do need bodies to work through. They need bodies to establish Satan's kingdom through. Okay, next thing I want to say is question is, why do you guys talk to demons? And we're going to go through this quick. We do it because Jesus did it. In Mark chapter 5, with the demon, uh, the, the man of Gadarene who had a demon, Jesus, the Bible says, commanded the demon repeatedly to leave. He had been commanding the demon to go, and the demon didn't leave. And then Jesus asked the demon its name. So the only reason we talk to demons, write this down, is to figure out why they're not leaving. Our goal is not to talk to demons. I don't start deliverance with talking to demons. I start deliverance by casting them out, commanding them to go. And if they don't, then we talk to them. It's conversation. I'm sorry. It's not conversation. It's interrogation. It's not conversation. It's confrontation. So we're not trying to ask the demon, what did you eat last night? What's your favorite song? What else? You know, we're not, we're not going on with conversation. We don't care about the demon's favorite color. We're going in there saying, why won't you leave? And we're finding out information. Now, let me give you some reasons why it's helpful to talk to demons. I preached on this like two or three weeks ago. If you want to go check out the full video, um, a couple reasons why you might want to talk to a demon and why it's helpful is they could reveal other demons hiding. They could tell you the number of demons that are in the person. Very common. Come on. Can I get some ones in the chat? They can tell you why they're not coming out and why they won't leave. They can tell you if there's a curse there that needs to be broken. They can tell you objects that they're attached to. They can tell you how long they've been in the person. Was that biblical? Yeah, Jesus asked the man, how long has your son been this way? The boy was demonized and Jesus said, how long has he been demonized? Okay, so they can tell you how long they've been in the person. They can tell you the name of the demon, which will help you understand its strategy and its structure. 
Confusion spirit will confuse you. Anger will be violent. A lying spirit will lie. So the information could speed up the deliverance because you're not going to try to guess why the demon's not leaving. Now you can sit there for four hours commanding the demon to go and not figure out why it's not leaving. And it'll let you do that. And it'll put on a show for you. But it's better just to get in there surgically, say, why aren't you leaving, figuring it out, and then getting the demon out. It's the best for them. It's the best for you. So stop listening to all this undoctrinal, um, un unscriptural, and uneducated preaching that says, oh, you should never talk to a demon for any instance. Jesus did, and we are okay too. I've never felt convicted. There's no verse that says don't talk to demons. The Bible says don't talk to the dead. It doesn't say don't talk to demons. And when it says don't talk to the dead, it's talking about necromancy. Another topic. Okay. Now here's what people are going to say. Well, demons lie, Isaiah. That's true. But listen to me. They usually don't lie. If you're in deliverance ministry, you know demons usually don't lie. If you're not in deliverance, if you've never done deliverance and you've been told by a pastor all the time that doesn't do deliverance, demons lie. Don't talk to them. They lie. That's a true statement, but it's usually not the case. Demons use deception rather than lying. So demons often. Now, let me give you a mind-blowing fact that I gave the chat two weeks ago, but for there's a lot of new people in here. Get ready for this. This is going to blow your mind. There's not one verse in the entire Bible where demons lied, okay? Now, come on. Can we get an emoji in the chat, a, a mind-blown emoji? Not one verse. In fact, if you look at Acts chapter 16, when the little girl who was demonized, she was saying, these are the men of God. These are men preaching the way. The demon speaking out of her was telling the truth. If you look at when Jesus confronted the spirit of Legion, Legion didn't lie to Jesus. Jesus never said, you lying spirit, you stop lying. When Satan came to Jesus, Satan didn't lie. He quoted the scripture and didn't lie. What he did was he manipulated and he twisted scripture. So again, I love all of this theology that's like, demons lie, don't talk to them and just command them to leave. But these are all people that are uneducated and unskilled in deliverance. They don't do deliverance. So stop taking your advice from people that have no fruit. I want your resume before you're going to argue me. I want to know, do you cast out demons? If you have no resume, then don't try to come up and tell me when I cast out demons all the time. Don't try to come up and tell me, you know, why I'm doing it wrong and you're doing it right. Okay. What happens? Next question. What happens if a demon is speaking in another language? Very simple. Command it to speak in English. Demons can speak any language. Don't let them trick you. If it's speaking in Spanish, trying to confuse you, make it speak English. If it's speaking in English, you need to speak Spanish, make it speak Spanish. I've seen people that cannot speak a lick of English, speak fluent English because the demon's speaking. And I've dealt with people that don't speak any Spanish and they're speaking in Spanish when the demon's manifesting. So demons can speak any language. They don't have a brain like we have. They have a more or larger amount of knowledge than you and I. So demons can speak in any language. So feel free to do that. Um, next question. Is there a difference between oppression and possession? And I'm going to say something I wish somebody would have told me years ago. No, there's no difference. It's made up verbiage to make believers feel better. That's what oppressed and possessed is. In the Bible, there's no difference between being oppressed or being possessed. When it comes to the demonic, the Bible uses the word, the Greek word demonize, which means to be under the power of a demon. Jesus never cast demons off of people, only out of people. So do me a huge favor and just trust me, please. Could everyone just trust me what I'm about to say? I will do you a massive favor. I'll save you arguments. I'll save you headaches. I'll save you confusion. And I will just save you here. Stop using the word oppressed and stop using the word possessed. If you hear me use it, 
I apologize. I don't mean to. Okay. Those are cuss words to me in the sense of they just bring confusion. The word that I use is demonize. I don't care if you're possessed, oppressed. If you're demonized, we're going to get you help. So if you stop using the word, you'll stop arguing. Anytime someone says, oh, Christians could be oppressed, just not possessed. Let them know there's no such thing. The Greek word is demonized. It means to be under the power of a demon. This is not word semantics, y'all. This is Bible. And so this will help remove the confusion in the body of Christ that's causing so much division. There's no such thing as being oppressed or possessed, Christian or not. Demons are demons, and if you give them access, they will come in. It doesn't matter what you are, okay? That's like saying a Christian can't have $1,000. Christians could have whatever they want. If they open a door, the demon comes in. All right, there you go. Stop saying it. Okay, next question. And we'll go about, let's see, maybe 10 more minutes. I'll speed through these, and then we will... Um, we will say a prayer and we'll read the donations and then we'll hang out and we'll answer some questions in the chat. If you guys want to do that after we read donations, we'll answer questions. Or maybe if we have time here, I mean, we're already an hour and a half in, so we'll see what happens here. But let's just go here. We could always do a live Q&A or something else on another day because I know we're an hour and 12 minutes in and I didn't want to make this like a five-hour video because the whole point was to get you guys precise information. Okay, next question. We're going hard here. Why doesn't my pastor talk about casting out demons? Can I get a one in the chat if you've ever wondered that question? Why doesn't my pastor talk about casting out demons? Let me give you a couple reasons why. Number one, and this sounds mean, but it's not. They are ignorant and they've not experienced deliverance. They've not experienced casting out demons. It sounds mean, but it's not. Here's what ignorance means. Ignorance means they just don't know. Just means they just don't know. So the problem is this is ignorance is only bliss to those that are ignorant so we don't want to ignore deliverance if jesus did it it's not enough to say i just don't know because you're going to stand before god and you're not going to be able to as a pastor say i just didn't know about it and here's why because it's all throughout the new testament so pastor please hear my heart i love you so much hear what i'm about to say i don't know is not good enough on judgment day Okay, you have the entire New Testament. You've read it, read it, you've preached it. Start preaching on it. If you're afraid, start out in the stories of Jesus. Start out, there's seven deliverances in the New Testament. Start out preaching the deliverances in the New Testament because saying, you know, I just don't know about it is not good enough. You need to humble yourself. You don't think you know everything. Humble yourself and open yourself up to what God is doing. God wants to set your people free. Jesus sent out the 72 to cast out demons. He didn't say wait around. He sent them out and he sent them and he's sending you. So ignorance is number one. Number two, uh, this one this one sounds mean, but it is, but this is true, is they're just lazy. Deliverance takes an extreme amount of work and you have to want people to be free more than you want your comfort. So deliverance will infringe on your schedule. It'll infringe on your time. Now listen, if I didn't live stream four times a week and upload every day and have four little kids, I would be doing deliverance all the time. If I wasn't doing these live streams and making content every day, I'd be doing deliverance all the time. I would be doing it day and night. The reality is I do a lot of it at services and I still do special cases one-on-one -on -one, and I'm going to start Zoom deliverances up very soon here. But the reality is I just don't have a lot of time to just be doing. So that's why we started the deliverance map. That's why I'm training people. Deliverance takes a lot of work and a lot of people don't want to put the work in. They're lazy and they don't want to spend the effort of wrestling. Remember, deliverance is a wrestling match according to scripture. Okay, number three. Your pastor, I'm not saying it. If you, listen, if the shoe doesn't fit, it's not offensive. If the shoe fits, say ouch or amen. He's preaching a partial gospel, okay? I don't know how to say it. I'm like, how can I say this nicely? There's no way. He's preaching a partial gospel, and this is the part he doesn't want to deal with, okay? That's the bottom line reality. The last reason I'll tell you why is they don't want their own demons to be exposed. 
Your pastor's watching pornography. He's in sin. He's seeing someone else's wife. He's cheating here. He's embezzling money. Whatever it could be, pastors don't want deliverance because they don't want to deal with their own demons. They don't want their own demons to be exposed. And if you're going to be in deliverance, you need to be humble. You need to be with humility. I just told you guys 10 minutes ago, I'm going to be going in for deliverance soon just to make sure nothing's there. And so you need to have that humble spirit about you where you say, I'm willing to get prayer. I'm willing to get delivered. I'm willing to get free if something's in me. I've done deliverance on several senior pastors and many other pastors. You need to be willing and understand that it's not normal to be depressed. Hear me. It's not normal to be suicidal. It's not normal to watch pornography. So when deliverance breaks out in a church, the pastor's afraid they're going to have to deal with their demons and they don't want to deal with their demons. Okay. Next question is, I need deliverance, but there's no churches around me that are doing deliverance. My answer to you is check out our deliverance map. If you're new, let me explain what the deliverance map is. It's a map where people fill out applications. We approve them. We put them on the map and then you can see a, a, a map of the world and you can see people in your area that are willing to do deliverance. You can contact them and you can meet up with deliverance. I had a person text me yesterday that said, I've done over 45 deliverances from your map. I've been doing deliverances. A pastor texted me that. And I'm wondering, there's about 800 on the map right now. Literally thousands of people are getting delivered as we speak through the map. So check out the deliverance map. We started it in December and God is doing above and beyond what we could ever imagine. There's still kinks we're working out. There's still stuff. Be patient with us. Um, Michelle Sinclair is running so much of that and she's incredible. She's one of our mods and she is putting hours and hours in this literally. And so we're still working through some stuff there. It's incredible. She has done a beyond incredible job. I told her she's going to be the richest person in heaven that ever existed. She's going to be have so much treasure because she's the one that's taking applications, that's filling things out, that's typing them in the system. It's a lot of work and she's doing that. And because of that, thousands and thousands are getting delivered and we are whooping Satan globally, okay? We're whooping him up globally and we're using technology to do it. So the deliverance map is amazing. So go ahead and do that. Um, check out the map, isaiahsellover.com slash deliverance. That's where the map's at. It's on my website. It says deliverance map and you can find someone to do deliverance. So you can stop telling me no churches do it. We've made a solution there. Okay. Next question. When a person dies, we're almost done here. We got just a couple more and we're going to end it here. When a person dies that has demons, where do the demons go? The answer is they wander looking for a new body. When their assignment is over, they need to find a new assignment. This is why people say in graveyards or in hospitals, there's increased demonic activity because people are dying. Demons are leaving the person and they're wandering around looking for a new assignment, looking for a new body, looking for rest. They're looking for a new home. Now, if you die and you have demons, it doesn't mean you go to hell. When you die, your demons don't go with you. Heaven or hell, they don't go with you. So you can be a born again believer on fire for God, have a demon, die, the demon stays on earth and you still go to heaven because your salvation is not about what you did. It's about what Jesus did. So you got to know that you can definitely have demons your whole life and die. And just because you have demons doesn't mean you're sinning. Just because you have demons doesn't mean you're giving into them. Remember, the devil confronted Jesus and Jesus was able to overcome the temptation and withstand him. So a lot of people have demons as I speak and they're not giving into their demons because they're not giving in to the um, temptation. So they're withstanding the demons and so they're still able to go to heaven. So just because you have demons doesn't mean you're going to hell. Um, that's, that's, I'm, I'm glad I said that because that's a good point. I'm glad you asked that, okay? Next question, how many people should we have in the deliverance when we're doing deliverance? I would recommend this, a minimum of two and a maximum of four to five. Now, if you have four to five, let me tell you what I would do. If you're doing a deliverance, a one-on-one, -on -one. this is not alter deliverance, this is one-on-one. -on -one. I would have one person leading the deliverance, okay? So you're the leader. I would have another person praying for the pr praying with you, just laying hands and praying with you under their breath quietly, asking God for words of knowledge, asking God for wisdom and revelation, that. 
I would have a third person with a notebook or a notepad or notes app writing down what the demons say, writing down the names of the demons. So whatever comes up, this is going to helpful at the end. We can go back and make sure they're gone. So one person taking notes, one person helping and praying, one person leading. And then if you have an extra person, they can help. If it gets violent, hold the person down. They can be praying under their breath quietly and they could be supporting you, getting words of knowledge. I wouldn't go more than four. If you do, don't really have them too involved. Just have them there. Now, if you want to have people there to train them, that's fine. You can have 10 people there helping train. That's okay. As long as a person's okay with that, there's no problem with that. Um, but I think the sweet spot is three or four. That is the sweet spot. I would recommend no more than that unless you're training a group. And if you are training a group, do that. Do a lot of people. I think we need more deliverance services. And if pastors are open to this, I will do this more of where we're literally doing deliverance on stage. I think this needs to happen. I was at a church recently and these powerful deliverances were breaking out at the altar. And I'm like, if everyone could see this, this would be powerful. So I think we need to do more stage deliverance where we literally bring people on stage and we're doing deliverance in front of everybody live and watching deliverance happen because it builds faith. It destroys Satan's kingdom and it's a miracle. Jesus said deliverance is a miracle. So I think we need to make sure everybody's seeing that miracle. So that's, that's my recommendation. Um, okay. Here's the next one. This is very interesting. I've never answered this. I want to answer this during deliverance. If you find a crime is committed, do you report the crime? You guys might think this is weird or abstract. This is a very common thing because a lot of times in deliverance, you're going to hear people that have done atrocious things to other people. Here's what I would say. And you could disagree with me. This is my opinion. You're there to free them spiritually, not be a lawyer or a police officer. So my thing is this, and I've had this situation happen. I would talk to them. I recommend people that have done crimes that are, they have not done time for. I recommend people to turn themselves in if they're running from the law. And I've done deliverance on guys where literally after the deliverance, they went and turned themselves in. I did deliverance on a guy that did 10 years because he, he killed his brother and he did a 10 year prison sentence and was out and the spirit of murder was still in him and we cast it out of him. So again, if you're hearing crimes that were committed, I would talk to the person and say, Hey, I would recommend you turning yourself in, going to authorities or paying for whatever crime you did, making things right. Even if you're a believer, there's still consequences to your sin. So I would make sure that you make those things right. That's what I recommend to people that have committed crimes and that they're running from the law. And again, we've dealt with these people in many situations. I would recommend that. Okay. Let's go through. We have two more and then we're going to be done. Is that cool? Okay. Next one is I heard light and darkness can't coexist. How could a believer have a demon? This is another way that people spin this. Here's the verse that people keep saying. And I know a lot of you wrote this in. I had probably 30 of you say your pastor told you this about deliverance and they don't like you listening to me because you know, how could light and darkness coexist? This is not for the church. This is for the world. Listen to me. The only verse they use is second Corinthians 6, 14. Second Corinthians 6, 14 is speaking about unbelievers partnering with believers it's not about demons there's no demon word there and it's not about demons being inside of people it literally has nothing to do with demons and it doesn't say it can't coexist it says it shouldn't coexist it says light shouldn't dwell in darkness what do they have in common what fellowship does light have with darkness it doesn't say it can't be that way it says it shouldn't be that way so you need to realize that the holy spirit and demons live in different places we are soul body and spirit when you get saved your spirit gets resurrected you are dead spiritually when adam sinned you come alive in christ and your spirit is made perfect in christ but your soul and your body are still subject to change that's why you could still have sickness and be a christian because your body is still being redeemed that's why you could still have negative thoughts because your mind your will and your emotion are subject to change demons don't live in your spirit listen to me closely demons live in the soul in the mind the will and the emotion and many times demons 
functions relate to things in your mind, things in your emotions, and things in your will. So keep that note. They live in different places. Whenever they, How could a demon and God live in the same house? They don't. They live in different places. That's how they can exist. And I have other verses that go to Acts chapter 5. Ananias was spirit-filled in one chapter and filled with Satan in the next chapter. So there's the answer to that, okay? All right, guys, we're going to wrap up the questions there. I think we went for an hour and 23 minutes on questions. We're, we've been live for an hour and 40 minutes. We're going to pray that God would equip, God would train. If you are blessed by this, we're going to keep going, by the way. We're not getting off here. I want you guys to pray about becoming a monthly partner. Pray about giving tonight, sowing into it. We just went an hour. We went old school style, an hour and 40 minutes. We've been live. We're not done yet. We're going to pray a prayer. And then we're also going to hang out with the chat, talk to you guys, and we're going to read the donations here. Um, and then we'll go from there. But let us here, let me switch this up. Let us pray. Father, we ask you tonight, Lord, that you would release your power on every single person. You'd release your anointing on every single person. I pray, Lord, that you would train us and that you would equip us for supernatural warfare. Paul called Timothy a soldier. And so, God, we know that we've been called to be soldiers. And tonight, we soldier up. Tonight, we take your word serious. We take your will serious. And Father, tonight, we take a stand against the kingdom of darkness and the powers of the enemy. So, Holy Spirit, we just ask you right now to train us right now to equip us, right now to deliver us, and use us for the work of the ministry. We don't want to be stale. We don't want to be idle. We want to be on the front lines of everything you've called us to do and everything you're doing. We just pray your power. We pray your fire, and we pray your anointing right now be released in Jesus' mighty name. We just pray, Lord, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to remind you guys, don't get off here. Again, we're going to read the donations here. If you are blessed, so into the ministry. I'm going to read all the donation stuff here. I'll probably do a little bit more Q&A at the end. I'm also going to um, challenge you to become a monthly partner. So into the ministry. Help us out by partnering monthly. You'll get the 25% off the merch store. New merch coming soon. Partners call Thursday. If you want to get into the partners call, you should do this this week. If you want to get on Thursday night and be a part of the partners call. Those partners call, I, I'm in there for about an hour and a half to two hours doing Q&A and going over statistics and the partners call goes all night the last two we had went all night long people were praying for each other doing deliverance connecting until we have the discord service it's a great place to connect so or server so just so you know that's a great place become a monthly partner you'll get invited to all of that I'm going to read the donations and then I will go ahead after I read the donations I will go ahead and I will hang out and talk to the chat here okay I was gonna see if I can do something here I wonder if I can hmm I'll do that another day. I wanted to make this bigger and change up the format here a bit, but we'll do that another day. Let me start reading the donations. If you want to give, you can. Links in the description and the chat. I know it goes fast. Tomorrow night, we have John Ramirez with us. Don't miss that. Don't miss John Ramirez. Guys, we're in Facebook prison right now, so help us get out of Facebook prison by sharing the stream and telling your friends and family. If you're on YouTube, I need you to like the broadcast. That's going to help us out tremendously. Like the broadcast. Like the broadcast. Okay? So we're going to start reading donations. Thank you to everyone that's giving. That's already sown. We are officially sponsored. Okay? If you don't know, our streams are sponsored by Awakening Remnant Church. Make sure you check them out. They give again tonight. They're always giving. And they're always sponsoring us. And they're incredible. Incredible church in New York. I'm going to be visiting or meeting them next month whenever I go and see Alexander Pagani. So everyone show love to Awakening Remnant Church. People like them. Churches like them. Enable us to keep going. And so thank you, Awakening Remnant Church. I can't say it enough. How much you've given how much you've blessed us you are amazing thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the revival lifestyle podcast if you like what you heard go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content and please follow me on facebook youtube and instagram at isaiah saldivar see you next week